Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. You know, we're a listener-supported outreach of Be Broken Ministries, and we exist to help individuals and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Why is pornography such a big deal? You know, this is a common question in the culture, but not necessarily one of alarm, but rather it's questioning why ministries like ours and many others even exist. Is there any real harm to pornography? To help us answer these questions, we have Nick Stumbo back on the program. Nick is the executive director of Pure Desire Ministries and an author and speaker on sexual issues from a Christian worldview. In our conversation, Nick shares many of the negative effects of porn, biological, mental, emotional, and relational. We look at the many unhealthy patterns that porn promotes, the natural trajectory of tolerance, both individually and culturally, the linkage between human trafficking and porn, and then how to live free from the negative effects of porn. Finally, Nick shares a new video series resource called Living Undefiled that takes an in-depth look at the topics surrounding pornography and human trafficking. To learn more about Nick and Pure Desire, visit puredesire.org. To get access to the Living Undefiled course, visit livingundefiled.com. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or check out all the links that we're going to put in today's show notes. And of course, friends, we would love it if you would rate and review the podcast after listening to help others find it. Now let's get started with our conversation with Nick. Well, all right, Nick Stumbo, welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Glad to be with you again. So we were just uh, kind of commenting off air that we have about a every three-year rhythm, it seems like, because you were on in 2018 to kind of share your testimony of of kind of going from this, uh, you know, porn pastor to then pure desire and, and all of this. And then in 2021, you talked about kind of helping give some hope for struggling Christian leaders, like what happens when you've got a pastor and other leaders that are struggling. Yeah. And so we had to have you back on, you know, it's been three years. We got to have you back on. It's the rhythm. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad the alarm clock rang and reminded us it's that time and always glad to have these conversations. Yeah. Well, before we jump into just kind of this larger conversation about pornography and maybe some of the ways that it impacts society and us individually, um, tell us a little bit about um, Pure Desire, your, the ministry that you run, and then just some things that may be going on in the ministry right now that you'd like our listeners to know about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Pure Desire, some listeners might be familiar with that name because of the book Pure Desire that Dr. Ted Roberts wrote in the late 90s. And at the time was maybe one of the primary resources for Christian men who are struggling with lust and pornography. And and because of the the impact of that book and, and many of the people who began to come even uh, in person to visit Ted Roberts at his church and, and to be a part of his groups, uh, that eventually led to the birth of Pure Desire as an independent ministry. Uh, and, and Ted felt that call to take that message to as many churches as possible. And that's really what we're all about today, that even though Ted, our founder, has fully retired and has handed that baton to me and the team. Our passion is to really help equip the church to become a safe place of healing and freedom for men and women who are struggling with sexual brokenness and for their spouses who are reeling with the hurt and betrayal and broken trust in the marriage. Um, So we have all kinds of resources, workbooks, tools, podcasts, blogs for people in recovery, but also for churches and leaders who want to start the groups and lead the groups. Uh, so that's 
you know, every year that's kind of our effort is just to say what resources can we produce for these groups. Um, an exciting one that came out last year was a follow-up to the seven pillars of freedom. So for men in recovery, the seven pillars of freedom was Ted Roberts' original workbook. I, I think we've revised it nine times now to just keep it fresh and relevant, but a lot of the core content is what was on Ted's heart when God you know, launched this ministry through him. Uh, but for a lot of men, they get to the end and would feel like, boy, I, I feel like I've just started to scratch the surface on some of my trauma and the impact on my marriage and how do I heal that? And, and what does it look like to use my story to create a legacy moving forward? And so our second workbook, The Compassionate Warrior, is meant to build on a man's experience in the seven pillars of freedom and take them hopefully to even deeper level of healing, uh, not only over their behavior, but healing in regards to their relationships, their self-image issues, and maybe the trauma messages that they've internalized from their past. So that was a, a great thing that came out last year. And then um, in the first part of this year, we're gonna have uh, a workbook for single women. Uh, so currently our workbook for women who have unaddressed sexual brokenness everything from pornography addiction to love addiction to what we might call a, you know, more the romance novel, a, a, an addiction of words, not as much images. Uh, women tend to have a broader um, scope of struggle. Uh, so our workbook for women is called Unraveled uh, for women who struggle. And now for young women, like college age, early to mid to mid twenties, uh, particularly those who are still single, we're going to have a workbook coming out for them called Authentically You. And so uh, it's great to have those happening. And then another thing that's going to happen soon this year that, again, for the female audiences of note, Pure Desire has been doing a podcast for a couple of years now for men, for women. We, we try to cover all the topics. Uh, but this year, two of our female staff, Ashley Jamison and Heather Kolb, uh, are going to be launching a podcast by women, for women, and about women. And so uh, that you can look for that from Pure Desire this year to have that regular resource uh, for women who are um, either on the betrayal side or also working on their own recovery. That's great. That is exciting. We and we we just love uh, doing ministry alongside you guys, and um, we can never have too many voices or resources in this space of ministry. So, amen to that. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I think it it wouldn't be a surprise to any of our listeners anyway um, when we might say something like the most common and easy sort of on-ramp for people when it comes to all kinds of sexual brokenness issues is pornography. So can we just kind of dive into the conversation around, you know, what is the big deal with pornography as it relates to society, as it relates maybe to the church and even to the individual? And the reason I'm framing the question that way is because when something has become so normalized, yeah, like pornography in our culture, some people hear voices like ours trying to um, say that there should be some alarm around this and just kind of yawn and go, come on, guys, get with the program. Porn's not that big a deal. So what's the big deal, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question because I think for some there is that attitude of, it's always been in the world. I mean, they'll bring up that all the way back to like Native American pictographs, there were pornographic images and it'll always like, what's the big deal? It's just naked bodies. We've all got a body uh, and, and it's not real. So why, why really worry about this? And yet we have just consistently seen that this is an area that impacts our, our body and our brains in ways that most people just have never really thought through. And one of the things that we talk about a lot, like when it comes to the brain science, 
is recognizing that that part of our brain that is triggered sexually is not uh, created or adept at recognizing the difference between the fantasy and the real because the same brain chemicals get released. The brain goes through the same process of arousal to climax to the, the follow-up uh, that happens, whether it's pornography or a real person. And so in society, I think some people are getting alarmed because even way outside of any Christian circles or you know religious approaches, people are seeing societal impact where young men in their early 20s uh, can't get an erection and are, are going to doctors for erectile dysfunction medicine. And you've got these secular doctors that are coming out and saying something is happening in our world because I've been in practice for decades and I've never had to prescribe ED medicine to a man you know, under the age of 45. But now it's calm all the time. I have young men asking me for this medicine, what's going on? Well, their brains have been trained by the supernormal stimuli that is pornography to react to something that cannot be replicated in a real relationship with real people. And so I, I think maybe the the lie that we listen to or why we don't think it's a big deal is if that's not my current experience, people think, oh, well, that will never happen to me because I'm just going this far. And yet what I try to say to people is like everyone who did end up going too far that, you know, ends up with erectile dysfunction or crossed lines physically and had an affair in their marriage or ended up doing something illegal sexually, like every one of those people would share a same message of saying, I never thought I would be that person. I never thought I would go that far. And yet we can see in all kinds of data and studies that are out there that it is by nature progressive, that what lust and pornography does in our brain and in our thinking creates an experience that over time cannot be sustained because of what we would call tolerance, that the brain becomes used to what it's seeing. And so to get that same kind of hit or good feeling uh, or the arousal that someone's looking for, it has to go to the next level. And that as those levels progress, the nature of the pornography becomes increasingly degrading and violent and dangerous in our society. And so that's the, the, the thought pattern I would encourage people to think about. Even for, I think, some of us uh, that, that have had a struggle, we've minimized our own struggle because we look at the extremes and go, well, I don't do that. So my struggle is not that big of a deal. And yet if we see that, well, my struggle currently is on this continuum, and it is a downward continuum that does not leave people static. It does not just leave you there perpetually. It, and it may be in our story, the progression was so slow, we didn't feel it happening. And so we think we're fine uh, until we're not. You know, Benjamin Franklin was asked, well, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, but he was asked, you know, how does someone go bankrupt or go broke? And he says, at first, a little bit at a time, and then all at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the pull of pornography on the heart in our relationships on the brain is initially we don't think that's happening or will happen because it's so small and gradual. And then someone crosses a line, enters a behavior they never thought they would, and they turn around and say, oh my word, how did I end up here? And they realize, oh, it's, it's been a pathway. This has been a slow, steady pattern that's been building in my life, sometimes for years and even for decades. So I, I think we just have to take a step back and look at that whole category of behavior and say, does this contribute to health in my life and in our world? And the answer is unequivocally no. So then to say, well, then do I want to have any part in it? Even if I would define the part that I see as not that big of a deal. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that idea of tolerance, maybe as it, as it applies societally, not just individually. You, I mean, because I think all of us can maybe 
to a degree understand if we've ever heard anything about addiction or or anything about just the process of becoming sort of enslaved or to a compulsion we've probably heard that idea of tolerance towards the in terms of the individual aspect of it like hey you build up a and we've usually heard it in kind of the drug addiction community right okay you you get that first hit and then boy at a certain point you need more of the substance in order to try to get back to that same you know original high do you yeah. think there is a tolerance effect that is not just happening at the individual level but is also happening at the more societal level yeah yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at where our society has come in the last 50 years, you can see it happening. You know, when when Hugh Hefner first launched Playboy magazine, and, and many of us might have a thought of what that looks like or what what is in there, but when it was first launched, it was actually rare for it to contain nudity or full nudity, especially. It was essentially equivalent to what we would think of as, you know, racy lingerie ads now was Playboy. Well, now that, you know, that level of magazine is on the shelves at any gas station that you're looking for. And the prevalence of very, you know, violent and graphic imagery in both in print and in video form um, is just night and day difference. Or I think many people even notice it with what's on TV, that what we would put on primetime TV now would have in the past been confined to pay-per-view channels because it's now just become, oh, it's it's no big deal to see that kind of a scene in a movie or that's just, you know, well, it's it's not extreme. And so we've we've kind of become accustomed to what we're seeing. Um, but I, I think where it really gets uh, brought to light, you know, is what many of us have come to know. Uh, we've, we've come to call it the porn paradox that never before has pornography as a medium been more popular and never before has it been more violent. And that's the reality is that the vast majority of online pornography videos that are out there are violent in nature. Um, and, and what we're seeing is that that is becoming normalized, particularly in youth culture, that young people are growing up with the access to pornographic videos from a very early age. And that is in their brains, normalizing what they think sexual relationships are like. And then there's, you know, I wish I had some of the data in front of me, but there's lots of even secular research on this topic that that teenage and young adult relationships are experiencing a level of sexual violence, like it is going off the charts. And, and it's so clear that well, the reason that is, is because what young men or to a degree young women are seeing in pornographic videos is being normalized in relationships. And so they think violence or choking or gagging or hitting or abuse is normal sexual physical contact, but it's not, it's, it's abuse, it's, it's forms of rape. And so we're seeing the impact of that on relationships um, where, again, we might feel like, well, that hasn't happened to me, but we can probably look in our own story and go, yeah, wow, what, what, what at one point I would have thought of as a big deal now is just normal. Well, the impact that's having on our culture, we're starting to see in the impact on relationships and just the amount of sexual violence that's being uh, perpetuated. And in particular, you know, it's uh, often it's children against other children. So minors under the age of 18 are experiencing this crazy growth of, of violence because they have access to it. And then in what would have been hopefully a normal dating relationship between 14 year olds is suddenly a very violent one. And, and we're, we're not going to be able to really turn the corner on that unless we address what's happening with pornography. Well, and then if you can take this continuum and continue to go down it, you know, there are still things I think in our society that sort of universally people would say, that's 
way down, way past the line of appropriate. That is absolutely wrong. I think there's still universal agreement um, in the majority around things like child pornography. There's still some universal agreement, certainly around things like sex trafficking and human trafficking, right? And Where slavery. you will, you will, it'd be hard to find somebody that says, ah, no big deal. And yet, if we keep thinking about what we're talking about here in this continuum, where do you potentially see the culture drift 10, 20 years from now if we've come to a place where what used to be considered salacious in the 1950s in Playboy is now on magazine racks in every single um, grocery store? Where do you see the trajectory? Yeah, I, I think you know one of the places we can look as to what we're aware of is happening currently in some foreign countries. And I'm, I'm thankful that the movie with Jim Caviezel that came out last year, The Sound of Freedom, I know probably a lot of the listeners saw that, were impacted by it. I mean, it is a deeply emotional, compelling story of like, wow, look what is happening to children around the world. Um, and, and I think there's a part of us that's like, man, I'm, thank I'm so glad that doesn't happen here in the United States. And yet it does. That mm -hmm. wasn't the purpose of that movie. But but there are children being duped or manipulated or taken and you know kidnapped and being forced into sex trafficking um, or or young women that have all their options taken away from them uh, because their access to money or food or any kind of stability is only allowed if they will perform for a pimp. And so we're, we're seeing, I think, the undercurrent of it by the extremes of it already happening in foreign countries. Um, that that's where when when the desires of men and let's let's be blunt about that, that primarily a, a sexual perpetrator of violence um, or a paying for sex or paying for a sex trafficked individual is almost universally men who are doing the buying um, or the trafficking. And so as, as long as the desires of men really go unchecked and unhindered, it always ends up leading to a place that is increasingly manipulative and controlling because at the heart, that's what getting our sexual me needs met is really fueling. It's fueling this, and, and I, you know, you and I would call this a sinful, very unhealthy desire, mm -hmm. but it's fueling a place of I'm the man, I'm in control, I can get what I want, where I want, how I want, and feeling something that makes me feel powerful. I mean, that's, that's kind of the heart of human brokenness is that where I'm powerless, I do something to feel like I gain the power back. And nowhere does someone experience that as a kind of an ultimate ending point of when they're paying for sex to have what they want with who they want at, and, and at that point, the age doesn't matter because they're willing to cross those lines uh, over time. And so when, when we see that happening again, we want to be like, Oh man, that's out there in those crazy places like, you know, Singapore or something like that. Well, the, the, we already see evidence of it in our society. And if we're not taking steps to be a part of the solution, I think it's only going to grow. And I would also add, that's why I'm thankful for a, a group in our country called the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, because they're doing a really good job, even on the legal end of tracking what's happening in our court systems. And, and that's something that if, if people are not aware of, they need to recognize there is a very concerted effort going on within our country to essentially get prostitution decriminalized. And the group that is, is pushing it is not a women's rights group. It is ultimately pimps and pornographers who want to create a society where we legitimize sex work and they will use language and terminology to make you think, oh, we care about these women. But if you read up on it and, and the National Center on Sexual Exploitation does a great job at clarifying the aims of these groups are horrendous and 
and and just terrible for what it would do to our society it would create a vacuum where pimps are able to legally suck in women and vulnerable populations to then use them legally within prostitution rings and at some local levels those bills are being passed and their strategy is if we get it passed at a couple of local like city level then what they do is they go to the state and they say well look your state wants this you already have three Mm -hmm. cities that have passed these bills we should just make it state law and and so the national center on sexual sexual exploitation is fighting that and i think it may be an area where we hear of a bill and say well well wait a minute is is this actually going to be good for women and children and when we look into it it's not and so i mm-hmm. i bring that up as just one example we're we're seeing the outcome of this in our society and when you go in that direction like wow this this is frightening i want to stand for what's right now and not continue just to let this grow uh, as it is so I can I can imagine that there might even be some listeners that are hearing this and saying, okay, I feel like you guys are, you know, Nick, you might be, it sounds to me like you're kind of category jumping. I mean, we've got porn over here. And then, yeah, we you, you know, we're talking about trafficking and legalities and some of the you know, prostitution and these kind of things over here. But I don't know if I see the link. Can you help? Because I think that's where a lot of the disconnect happens mentally. And even emotionally for a lot of people in our country is they see pornography and some of these other things like trafficking and prostitution as categorically separate. Yeah. What's the link between these things? Yeah. I I think that is our human nature that we want to believe that the person that would pay for sex with a minor, let's say, or, you know, pay for the privilege to rape a minor and, and not be prosecuted for it, that that person is a deviant they're on the far end of the dregs of our society. They're a drug addict. Like normal people don't do that. And yet when you read the reports and, and again, the groups that you know try to defend those rights for the vulnerable and for women as a part of what they do, they will say over and over that when there are operations and stings that catch people, it is doctors and lawyers and police officers and teachers and that it's the whole scope of our society. And you and I have seen that, that when it comes to pornography struggles, it, it's not a respecter of persons. It's not a respecter of education or age or nationality. Like anyone can start to get sucked into something. And as the cycle continues in their life, they end up going deeper and further and to more destructive places. And so does that mean that anyone who looks at pornography ends up becoming a perpetrator of sexual violence? Well, absolutely not. And thankfully, many don't cross that line. But what we are finding is that for those who are perpetrators of sexual violence, they are almost 100% impacted by pornography first, that it is over and over this consistent pathway into it. And so I think we have to look at it and be frightened enough by that to say, man, if if I'm participating in what is so clearly the, the gateway drug, if we want to call it that way, that is so clearly the first couple of steps of the pathway that can lead to becoming a, you know, a paying for sex, that's a pathway I've got to get off of, right? I don't want to run the risk that that does become me. Because like I said, I've I've gotten to have in group with me people who have done illegal things sexually, and they will say to a person, I never thought it would go this far. Um, You know, some of us have heard the quote, and it's ironic, the source, because it's most frequently attributed to uh, the late Ravi Zacharias, who said sin, and in particular, he was talking about sexual sin, will take you further than you meant to go, keep you longer than you meant to stay and cost you more than you ever thought you would pay. 
And, and we didn't know until after his death that Ravi may have actually been speaking about his own sin and things that he was doing to manipulate and control vulnerable women from um, within his ministry. But I, I think that quote speaks to reality of this situation, that it's not anyone's plan, but this is what it does in the human heart and mind. It poisons our thinking. It causes us to objectify people. And it, it takes us a lot further than anyone ever thought they would, would end up going. Yeah. Now I think, you know, there's a, I'm hoping that there is a little bit of a a stark realization that listeners and viewers are having, and they're starting to to make some of these connections. But I can also imagine that there are some that are just, they're just stuck in that place where they go, okay, I get it. You're saying there's potential for me to do all these horrible things, but I'm not, I won't, I never will, you know, and, and just the threat of the potential is not enough for them to see that this is still harmful even in its current state. Can you try to talk to the, the, the guy out there, especially the man out there, especially who might be thinking, yeah, 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 I, I get it. And I know that there's harm down the road, but why is it harmful wherever he may be on the path right now? Yeah. You know, I think if people have heard your story and my story, many others, they, they would hear us say the same thing that we listened to a lie that said, Oh, no one's being hurt or it's not damaging my marriage. And yet the truth is we look back, um, we, we know that any time that we view pornography and we can see it at the brain level, that, and I mentioned this earlier, that the brain goes through a cycle of releasing these brain chemicals, not only of the you know, excitement and the dopamine, but also these bonding chemicals that the brain is trying to attach to the object of that you know, climax and say, this belongs to me, we're in relationship. But when it's pornography, it's an unhealthy attachment and it creates in our brains and in our thinking confusion about, well, who am I meant to attach to? And so it is undermining the content and quality of the relationship we can have with our marriage if we're married. And if we're not married, it's before we're even in a marriage, it's undermining our brain's ability to appropriately connect and bond with another human being the way God designed our brains to do. And so some of it may, may be too a sense of, well, maybe you don't think right now it's impacting you that much, but could that be because you've learned to live with a level of normal that is actually far inferior to what God designed you for? That there is a level of connection and intimacy and openness between spouses where nothing is hidden, nothing is secretive, nothing is shameful, um, and that is a body, soul, and spirit connection that goes far beyond just what is the physical pleasure taking place in the bedroom. And, and I have found that for many of us that kind of got into a binge purge pattern of pornography or just accepted it as, oh, not that big of a deal, they have not experienced the level of relationship that God designed them for. And so I, I would suggest that at any level, you are undermining your ability to have a meaningful connection with a spouse or future spouse. And, and I think on top of that, for those of us that would say, well, yeah, I mean, uh, my faith is a defining part of my life. It immediately also, it creates this, I think, shame level in our thinking about our relationship with God, about the standard he feels uh, he's called us to. And I find that so many of us have kind of settled for, well, this this must be the thorn in my flesh, right? We like to quote what Paul said there in the New Testament is, it's just the thorn in our flesh that we all have to deal with. And yet again, I wonder if we've maybe settled for a way of doing life that is far less than what God can do in us, that that we would both sit here within our ministries and say, we, we think real freedom is possible, that you don't have to live with this as a crutch in your life or something that you run to now and again, 
that just creates these cycles of shame and secrecy and separation between yourself and God and others, like we can be free of it. And sometimes you don't know what you're missing out on until you get there, right? It's like some of us are sitting on the other side of it going, yeah, I didn't think it was that big of a deal either. But when I look back and realize the kind of marriage I was sacrificing, the kind of relationship with my kids that I was sacrificing, it's night and day different. And it's it's difficult in some ways to see that if you haven't been there. So I would say to that person is like, ah, you know, where I'm at, no big deal. Like, well, maybe you don't have the clarity yet because it's become normal to you. And would you listen to voices of of wisdom and and compassion who are ahead of you looking back saying, I remember that too, but there is a better way. There's a better life. There's better relationships. And it's available to you if we're willing to address something in our life and saying, this is not giving me the kind of life God designed me for. Yeah, I think it's a huge, it stunts our emotional, mental, spiritual, relational health. And uh, I like to say, I love what you're saying there, Nick. I like to say that freedom isn't static or stationary. You actually start to discover that you're made for a growth mission. You're made to actually be maturing in all of these areas. And pornography is at best a massive stunting of that. And yeah. even numbing out, you, it numbs you out emotionally, mentally, and all of that. Now, there is, a, um, there is a feature film that is coming out and should actually be out by the time this uh, podcast airs that's really trying in a dramatic way to tie together a lot of what we've been talking about here. Can you share about that film and just maybe even some resources that are on the back end of that film? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great little uh, Christian film company out of Missouri called Light of Life Films, and they're wanting to use their medium to impact the world uh, in, in a positive way without having, you know, overtly Christian wording, but to have very um, conv- compelling Christian messaging within the movie so that it could be watched equally by a Christian and non-Christian. Uh, but they're, they, they've put out a movie called Undefiled, and Undefiled tells the story of a minor league baseball player named Mitch who has aspirations of the big leagues, um, but has kind of gotten stuck in the minor leagues and is disappointed in his life. Uh, In the course of the movie, without giving too much of the plot away, he discovers that some of his teammates have gotten caught up in paying for sex and sometimes even with minors um, as a way to improve their performance. And because they're ballplayers, well, he, through circumstances, ends up meeting one of the young girls and has a desire to rescue her and help her get out of this lifestyle. And yet in the movie, you see that Mitch's life um, isn't going so great on the personal side. His marriage is a wreck. He's got pornography issues. And so the drama of the movie really is in regards to, on the one hand, he's trying to help this girl and rescue her. And and can he even do it? But on the other side, his need to rescue himself and not knowing how to break out of some of his own patterns. And so it it pieces together that both the realities in our world and that it's possible um, that, that to take a stand against the one of our personal life and begin to move towards integrity there can actually begin to make a difference in our world as well. And uh, Light of Life Films, they approached Pure Desire about creating a follow-up resource because they they said, you know, from the get-go, they said the movie doesn't answer the questions. The movie just brings up a lot of the questions and is going to leave the viewer going, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. What, what does this mean? And so they asked us to create a follow-up video series And so there's an eight-part video series that we have called Living Undefiled. So it takes the undefiled film and gives you eight weeks of processing it uh, in the series called Living Undefiled, where myself and several members of our team do some basic teaching on the connections between lust and pornography and then sexual violence in our world. 
Um, there's some great interviews from uh, a gal who came out of the porn industry, from a gal who is a sex trafficking survivor. Uh, I mentioned the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. One of their doctors, one of their um, researchers talks about a lot of the stats and the connection between the two. And, and I think for, for you, if you watch it, or maybe for a small group at your church, it could be a very eye-opening experience to walk through the film and then to go through this eight-part series and, um, and just unpack all the connections between the great evils that we see in our world and that rightly so we want to stand against. How do we also connect what might be happening in our personal lives with things like lust and pornography and how in all of those areas could we be people of integrity that, that honor God, not only in our own lives, but by the good that we do in the world in his name. And so I think it's compelling. Um, I think it's food for thought. Uh, we've also told people it's kind of like an introduction to the introduction for pure desire. So if, if you're listening and you've been trying to think, how do I engage my church? How do I engage other men in my small group to just think about this struggle maybe differently than the typical ways of just don't do it? It's bad. Stop it. Um, this this film and then the follow up study could be a really good way to just kind of open the door to those conversations and move people a little closer to that motivation to say, we need to do something about this. So if whether you're on the side of, hey, I want to put an end to sex trafficking or on the side of, boy, I'm struggling with pornography, what do I do? And everything in between, I think this film gives you some handles to start having those conversations and then perhaps move it forward uh, in your church or community as well. That's great. Now we are recording this podcast before the full release, but we will do our best when this releases to have the links in there for both the film and then you guys already have set up a website for uh, the the follow-up, correct? Yeah. Yeah. If you just go to livingundefiled.com, you can, you can see the follow-up series and the study guide, um, you know, some clips from our team. And, and right there at that website, it would also give you links to go and, and watch the feature film. But uh, yeah, that's up now and, and should be up as long as the internet exists that they could go check out livingundefiled.com. That's awesome. Well, Nick, this has been a great conversation. Any any last words that you would want to have for somebody listening that is feeling they're being stirred in some way? What what would you encourage them to do next for themselves and then for, for those around them? You know, one of the things that's been on my heart a lot is to consider what is what is God's purpose for us in this life? And, and when we're struggling with pornography, I, I think sometimes we just get so consumed with, well, the, the main goal is just to stop sinning or just to stop those bad behaviors. When the truth is that the goal of this life, when we look at scripture, is to become more like Christ, to be transformed, and that that is a process of transformation that does not end, I believe, in until the day we die and could step into eternity. And so if that's the case, that transformation is the goal, that means health is the goal. And if there's anything in my life that is keeping me from that, the truth that is in, in love, God wants to come and, and work with me not against me to punish and shame me and, and um, you know, judge me, but yes, to convict in, in a sense that will draw me closer to him. And so in our life as we're working through, again, whether we're at the what we consider the safe end of oh, I've, yeah, lust, a little bit of pornography, is it that big of a deal? Or we have found ourselves crossing some lines into behaviors that we will regret for the rest of our lives. I would want every listener to know that, that Christ is in 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 that struggle with you and wants to work with you towards transformation to becoming more like him. And whether that's at a place that you think is um, not that serious yet, or is really, really serious, that God's heart for you is the same, that you become more like him. 
And so I hope that we will partner with him and say, man, if if God's goal is good for my life, it's health and it's freedom and it's joy, why wouldn't I pursue these things? And if, if that's our mindset, then I think we'll have the capacity not only to walk in freedom ourselves, but to help a whole lot of other people along the way pursue God's very best for their life rather than selling out to some of the cheap substitutes that our world is trying to give us. That is so good. Well, Nick, where can, uh, where can our listeners also go to learn more about uh, Pure Desire and all the resources that you guys have? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jonathan. We're at puredesire.org. So we're a .org, not a .com uh, since we're a nonprofit and you can find our blog and weekly podcast and some of the free tools that we have. And then also online groups. Um, if you're looking, you know, if, if Be Broken has been a connection point for you, I think those weekend intensives, I've heard men just say, have been a tremendous catalyst in their journey. Uh, a Pure Desire group might be a part of your next steps or stage of healing and recovery. And so you can find um, churches that have groups around you or online groups that meet at various times during the week and might be a connection point for some listeners as well. Yeah. Well, Nick, as always, thank you. I always appreciate your voice in this space and uh, thanks for being on the program today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thankful for what you guys do, Jonathan, and hope that we can continue to to work together to see uh, to see this world transformed in, in really, really great ways. Yeah. Well, listeners, we are going to post a lot of stuff in the show notes today about what we talked about just regarding some of the links between porn and, and other things, as well as information about the undefiled film and living undefiled. And uh, we are so glad that you've been with us. We want to help you take your next best step on your journey to wholeness in Christ. And so please reach out to us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.